Welcome to the Lucent Lands podcast. We have identified the need for a platform where industry leaders and innovators in the agricultural sector can share their stories and inspire others. We hope you enjoy listening to this as much as we enjoyed speaking to these people. Welcome. So, Danae, it's really nice to meet with you um, and meet with you in South Africa. Um, we know that you're based in the States, but it would also be nice for you just to tell us how did a girl from the Hex River Valley... <laughs> who, who she is. Yes. Who, what is your position? Um, and then also just tell us how, how did your life move to, yeah. to get there? We'll, yeah. we'll chat along the way. Okay. Well, it's nice to have you guys here. Um, and to be able to join your new podcast, which is really, really exciting. Um, Thank you for your faith in us. <laughs> <laughs> no, very faithful. Um, Yo, yeah, my journey, I think, I always think of my life journey as still being written, but I'm really uh, proud and also fortunate for the journey that I already went through. Um, because obviously wh whoever I am today is because of that. But yeah, I was born here in the Hex River Valley in South Africa and my journey was a very sport-driven journey. <laughs> I've heard of the Louise has, has enlightened me on that, but I'm curious about that. Where did you hear? No, I just heard the the wind that, that <laughs> you, you were um, a very good tennis player. Yeah, well... Yes, uh, and I tried to pursue that further. And so I left home when I was about 14. Like most kids in the Hex do, they need to go to high school somewhere else. But I went to uh, Stellenbosch uh, in Blumhoff for about two years. And then I decided, okay, I need to make a move because of tennis to Funabel Park. And you know Funabel oh, Park yeah, is no. not necessarily the most beautiful place. Defeildriuk. Yeah, Defeildriuk. And then I did homeschooling. We were in a house with 10 kids playing tennis for like five hours a day, doing gym another hour, doing mental sessions. Crazy. And the homeschooling, we had to educate ourselves. Anyway, I was there for about, I think, eight months and then moved to Pretoria. And I'm from the Western Cape. So moved to Pretoria. That must have um, been quite a challenge for you, something very different, especially definitely. being that young. Yeah, definitely. But like, I think for my parents, that was also a hard pill to swallow. But you also believe that's what you need to do if you really want to go professional. So um, w my coach was John Lafney the Acher, which um, uh, is a very well-known person in the tennis industry. But uh, they welcomed me and one of my friends into their house for a few months, which was the rest of the year out of that eight years, we, eight months we already did. So I finished two subjects, English and geography, um, grade 10. And then I went to Waterkloof High School. Mm -hmm. And they told me that I, and I should probably not say this, the fact that I don't have great ten, but <laughs> they told me that I, we give you one quarter to showcase that you are grade 11 um, suited. And so I got into that math class and I was like, what is on this board? I could not make out what 
what went on on that. And grade 11 is a difficult one as well. Yeah, and especially I also struggled math. with that. Don't worry about it. What do they oh. say with people say, I used to understand maths until the alphabet got involved. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was exactly it. I was like, what is these Greek words? And then had to work really hard, eventually got through grade 11, through grade 12. And um, I always dreamed from grade 8 to go overseas and play tennis there. So I went to Texas two years, transferred, went to California. Straight, straight from school you went to Texas? I had about six months because okay. they have, obviously, their years start yes, differently yes. than, than ours. Um, and so I had six months in practicing, playing tournaments, went overseas, Texas, but I never went to visit. I just signed the contract um, and started my, my journey there for two years. It was good, and, but then I moved to California. And California is obviously the state in which agriculture happens, like 95% of, 98% of produce for the U.S. is produced there. And I went to a school that I'm very fortunate to be able to um, have gotten into, played tennis, finished my, my tennis journey there, and then work came. And well, was, was that in Los Angeles or where was the school? Uh, it was school? San Luis Obispo, and the school name is uh, called Poly. Okay. Um, it's, uh, yeah, a lot of people in the industry actually do come from, from that college too. Um, and how was it different going from a waterkloof Afrikaans school to, uh, to, Texas Ameri to, to an California. American school? Wow. I studied with a dictionary. <laughs> that I think the English was the biggest part. I think the fact that you're always part of a team, it makes it easy because you always have people and you have support. It's not like you're alone. Um, Culture-wise, that was definitely an adaptation you had to go through, but it was, um, yeah, it was good. My journey has been good. It's not been easy, but it's been, been good. Um, and my doors have opened where they needed to open. Mm. Um yeah, and the opportunities were there where they needed to be there, and I and also taken. It doesn't help opportunities there. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sure that you must have had many a moment that was agony and ecstasy along the way. Definitely. Funny things that happened and things that you had to overcome and misunderstandings, but you just have to carry on. Definitely, definitely. Okay. And there's been moments I remember. I think my second year, my parents were like, "But come back," because then I made the switch. And I'm like, I cannot, I cannot come back. Like, not that I wouldn't want to, just because you need to finish what you've started. Um, and it's obviously much more, uh, like, if you come back in that, that period, then you have to start over. You have to, you can't just continue somewhere in university anyway. So, yeah, that was my study phase. And then came the job opportunity phase. Um, and I interviewed with a few people because I had a year in which I could work overseas um, and with the kind of visa they give mm -hmm. you. And so I um, interviewed with a couple of companies like Gallo Wines and eventually also Sunworld and um, got my second view, interview with Sunworld. The first when was that? What that, year? Oh, my word. I think that was two thousand and. 15 or 2016 around okay. there yeah but what made you what made you um apply for those jobs 
Well, the wine category was just interesting and, and fancy in, in a sense, like um, especially for a college student, you, you think a of little... Of course, it's romantic yeah. and it's exciting and, yeah. and you'd have some free wine somewhere along the way. Yes, and that's <laughs> right. And this company specifically hired a lot of students from us and okay. they were a little bit more fun in a way. Yes. Um, and Sunworld came about, I... In my college years, I came back and I just had discussions with like the grape company um, and they were just willing, like my brother used to work there for, for quite some time and um, they just basically said, then I, let's just have a discussion, talk to us like, as like mentorship. Mm -hmm. And I think the connection came there because they contacted Sunworld and um, so I reached out to Sunworld and somehow the two just collided. Um, so, and crazy enough, my father is obviously a farmer mm. and he has been planting Sunwalk varieties and other competitors. So there varieties. was quite a lot of, of, um, synergy there to begin with. Yes. You know, you obviously have to build on that, but it, if there's something mm. that connects you to begin with, I'm yeah. sure that makes it easier. But you, but you wanted to go into agriculture. Not specifically, no. Okay. I studied business marketing. I didn't study business ag marketing, mm -hmm. which everyone asked me, why didn't you just study that? But you get that uh, in the States, business, yes. agricultural. agricultural. But you don't get it here. You don't? Not that I know of. No, I'm not, just I'm not sure. Per I'm not sure. But, but, but anyway, so you were saying, so you studied business marketing and, um, and Sunworld. Yes, and then, uh, so the interview came, and I don't know, you've been to Bakersfield, mm. and you need to go to Bakersfield. What was there? Oh, you, you were there? Yeah, we yeah. were there together. We were now. there together. Okay. Yeah. There um, were a lot of people. Yeah, there was a lot of people. And I was driving from St. Louis, which is literally west of Bakersfield. And then you drive through all these oil, oil fields yeah. with these yeah, yeah. machines. Yes. Those Derek thingies that pop up and down like this. Yes. yes. And I have never seen them in South Africa. Movies. You know, in the movies yes. you see them, and they're typically horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was literally 22 years old, thinking, where am I going? Like, I'm going for this interview. Where am I going? Anyway, got uh, did the interview and then started to Sunworld. And my journey with Sunworld has been through um, uh, different positions, but eventually ended up in marketing again. And um, yeah, and now the position has just grown a little bit uh, throughout the years. So. Fantastic! But yeah. when we when we went to Bakersfield, everybody says, "Yeah, we, you're going to the small town Bakersfield," and then you get there, and, I, and we drove in at night, and I said to Louise, "This is Bloemfontein." <laughs> <laughs> it does look it like Bloemfontein. It's the size of Bloemfontein. It's not small. No, yeah, it's and big. It, it was it was incredible. But our experience from California was the Platteland or the mm -hmm. the rural area like Bakersfield yeah. is our type of people. Yeah. As soon as you yeah. go back over the mountain to the city, it's yeah. different, different different people. Culture. Yeah, yes. definitely. But did you guys go south or you went north? We to... went a little bit north. We went to Fresno. Okay. Um, and we had a look around and we really enjoyed it. But mm. what was really incredible was to see the 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 valley that mm. the San Joaquin Joaquin yeah. Valley to see that incredible homogenous and beautiful soil. And what yeah. you were saying, that more than 90% of the American um, fresh produce mm. comes from there. Mm -hmm. That's phenomenal. Yeah. The whole of the States it's is crazy. fed from but, there. But yeah. you, you went there in 2015. 
what what year? I started uh, working for Sunlo 2016, and I went 2012. Okay. Yeah, 2012. But the, one of the things that caught our attention when, like you said, the oil derricks and is that there was no fences. It yeah. Was, it was just no fences. It was just weird. But we had that like years ago. Yes. Years ago. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But when mm. you when you come from where we are now and you go and see it, it, it hits you that yeah. obviously. You know, people put up fences for a reason. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> but um, so you joined Sunworld. Yeah. Um, what was your first position at Sunworld? I was an intern. The uh, internship only had to last for about four months, and then they extended it to six months. So I was an intern in the sales and marketing um, department, um, and it was mostly like dealing with orders and. and Placing samples to retailers and um, you know, dealing with things like that. And then they, I honestly told them, I still don't know what I want to do. Because I feel a lot of people out of college, it's like, I've studied this, but seriously, I'm unsure of what I want to do. Um, and I it's was very honest, and I think a lot yeah. of young people do that. They 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 go out into the world, and they have they don't really have a, a particular direction they mm. want to go in, and then it's about um, timing and opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I feel a lot of young people now. There's definitely a movement where they don't stick with the job for much mm. so long. So as soon they, as they hit a speed bump, then yeah. They... Well, I don't know about <laughs> speed bump, <laughs> but. Yeah, and I think that obviously helps them with their experiences. Um, whereas in the past generations, they've really stuck to yeah. work um, for longer. Yeah, but it's honest also for you to tell them that you're not too sure what you do, but you're still there and you've, you've obviously progressed in your job. So after you did that, what, what came then? So I told them honestly, I don't know what I want to do. And they developed this training program, which was re it's a really cool concept for any company, really. So every quarter you rotate into a different division. Oh. So I did um, HR, I did the sales and marketing, a little bit of the farming. And then I went to our variety development division. And they were looking for a marketing person, but the time was just not right. So this rotation was suited for that. And then, sorry, is that only for the interns or for other staff as well? Well, I was they created the program for me, and okay. the oh, program wow. stopped. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know if I broke it, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I I just think um, I think it's something that could be implemented again, whether it is for employees or that for interns. Sense. But mm. yeah. That but it's nice, it gives you a little bit of a, a, a picture of, of all the divisions. Yeah. So if you did settle into one of the other divisions, at least you'd understand what, what your um, counterparts in the yeah. other divisions yeah. are doing. Definitely. And what their purpose is. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. So you learned a, lo a lot, and then where did you settle? Which part of the I, company? Yeah, I s stopped at the variety development marketing position, and from there... Um, um, I think I was like marketing associate, no, marketing specialist. And then the position just evolved to whatever it is today. Um, so today I'm the senior marketing manager for Sunwall. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, That's so. incredible that you've achieved that. I mean, it must have been a lot of hard work and a commitment. 
And obviously you were working with people that you felt an affinity with and mm. that you enjoyed working with. Definitely. Yeah, that's the thing about this industry. I don't know for you guys, but it is the people. Like, obviously we have our challenges and things, but you get to an event and people from all around the world is there and everyone connects. So even if there are enemies uh on a farm next to each other, it's just, it's a good time together. And yes, it is. It is very interesting to see the dynamics when people get together and it's globally in yeah. a single place and they've come from all or from next door, yeah. how differently they relate to each other. But that's a whole different story. Yeah. So tell us about your journey in this position. I mean, it must have, it must be very interesting and the people that you meet and the incredible um, varieties that, that Sunworld has. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this position, just to say how I got back to mm. the hex, because I went out of the hex mm. um, and to complete the circle. So I um, reached a period where I had to come back home for a year um, uh, for visa reasons. And the year passed and David, our CEO, uh, he asked me, so are you coming back? I'm like, David, can you please give me one more year? And so I lived another year and he calls me again and he's, Danai, are you coming back to the U.S.? I'm like, David, I'm sorry, but I'm staying. <laughs> so for me, it, it's a decision to live here in, in South Africa, um, mostly because of family, um, because I didn't necessarily have that early on. Um, and yeah, the, with that, our company is very international. We have offices in... Um, a lot of the, the major countries we are in, and we are in about 16 countries where our varieties is grown. Um, so our nature of Sunworld is international. So my I can do my job from here. Yes, it's harder, but it's uh, one of the things that it's a decision you make. Um, and yeah, the, the position itself to uh, answer your question a little bit, um, it just gives me a wonderful opportunity to meet people from everywhere. It's not just one country based. Um, we see a lot of our licensees, which we have 1800 growers all around the world and about 105 marketers. Uh, we see them through various events throughout the year and we also host them for ver various events. So it's really nice to be able to uh, meet our people everywhere in the world and continue building those relationships. Um, you know, that's pretty, pretty and, special. And did COVID play a role in your decision? Uh, or, no, or did this happen before COVID that you decided to stay in South Africa? Be, just before COVID. Okay. It was about, I think, a year before COVID. Yeah. So I think COVID made it easier to stay yes. because there was <clears throat> nowhere to go. all the technologies go. like Zoom and whatever. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Sure. Okay. And we um, we were just chatting to some some table grape growers recently, and they were saying, and we also saw at the Global Grape Summit mm. that um, there are I mean, there are obviously several grape breeding houses, um, but that everybody sort of gives Sunworld the recognition that they were one of the earliest mm -hmm. to actually be, and especially to South Africa, mm -hmm. spreading their varieties. Yes. And um, the new varieties seem to have made a big difference to the grape industry and potentially the other industries. 
So um, it's adding value in through the industries. Any comments that you've ever had from people that have come and spoken to you about the new varieties? It'd just be interesting to know what people have said to you. Yes. Um, I think it's great to have new varieties. And yes, we should have new varieties. That's better and keep on improving, not only for the consumer to have something better, but also for the grower to have something better. Like, for example, cost is a big thing right now. And imagine you have a variety that requires less labor, less manipulations, less applications. So, and also a variety that can store better. So for with the shipping um, challenges, if a variety can store better or be more rain resistant, that helps. And that's our role is to be able to provide that more innovative varieties. Um, on the other hand, I think that's also a challenge because it, the more varieties you have, it also becomes a challenge for the grower because there's so much selection. So I think... Or that a supermarket might choose something that cannot grow here. Yes, exactly. Mm. Exactly. The, the range of choice is not necessarily a good thing in the end because you might make the wrong choice for you. Yes. Mm. And I think that's where we truly try to make or approach things differently. And I, I believe our licensees speak to that as well, um, is to not bring out so many varieties, to thoroughly test our variety. So we have a very long process in which we test the variety globally everywhere for about uh, additional three to four years uh, before we say, okay, growers, we trust and believe in this variety. If you want it, you can plant it. So, and even looking at Sunworld, Sunworld started in 1976 and our breeding entity started about 10 years after that. Um, so that's why we have been the longest, yes. like you say. But if you look at our grape brands, we have about like five grape brands and five varieties we've released throughout that. Yes, we have new varieties that's obviously in the pipeline, but I mean, that's a long time to only have um, so five. few. Yeah. But it's not only grapes, it's also stone fruit. Stone fruit, yeah. That's what I wanted to ask you about. You guys don't do just grapes, you do stone fruit as well. Yeah. And how... Tell us a little bit about the stone fruit programs. Yeah, um, our stone fruit is also globally. Um, I would say it's a, a smaller portfolio oh, of, okay. of Sunwalt. We are we do the majority of our efforts to go towards the grapes, um, and our stone fruit includes peaches, nectarines, okay. apricots, uh, plums. Our plums are pretty um, high in demand, and then um, we also have cherries now, which we only, I think we have about one or two varieties, but that's in the process. And we appointed a speciality fruit breeder, which basically goes look, goes and look at other fruit crops that have potential okay. that needs further development. So we, we might expand our portfolio even more. Okay. Like yeah. what, if we may ask? I don't know if I can say that okay. yet. <laughs> but you're investigating um, crops that are looking good. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And promising. And okay. also, yeah, where we see breeding can still play a role. Yeah. yeah. So I would imagine that, that working with your licensees around the world, when you all get together, it must be a bit like a family reunion in a yes. way. Yes. And to, to have all the different languages from all over the world 
I mean, everybody, you can just see them being excited to get together. Yeah. I mean, I suppose they come and speak Spanish to you sometimes. <laughs> Definitely, and I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> but you guys were in Bikersfield. Yes. Like, how was that for you? Could you see that, like, atmosphere Very much and so. family feel? Yeah. Very much so. And the fact that at the, the uh, Global Grape Summit, they had four, they had representatives from the four top breeding mm. companies on the stage together, and they were quite happy to be, well, it seemed that they were yeah. happy to be there together. Yeah. And um, it was also interesting to see that they deferred to Sunworld and mm. said Sunworld is the oldest. That and that, had, that Sunworld had um, shown the lead mm. in this. So that's exciting, and, and, and also that chatting to table grape growers, they were saying that the new varieties really rejuvenated the table grape industry from where, particularly in South Africa, we had mostly seeded varieties. Mm -hmm. So it's been quite a revolution over time to seedless and also to better varieties. And that's where I would imagine Sunworld has helped, not just here, but internationally. Yes, yeah, definitely. And it's good to hear that people talk um, so highly of that. And I, um, I think with even your comment about the breeders sitting together, they formed the Breeders Alliance that basically takes all the breeders together to help with IP surveillance because there's okay. many growers yes. around the world that illegally plant our varieties, their varieties, and, and to be able to protect all licenses because they pay for these varieties. Yes. Uh, through licensing fees. So um, we formed this alliance to be able to surveil and, and uh, make sure that our IP is kept uh, appropriately. D didn't I see an article now recently yes. about Sunworld in Peru? Uh, it... Italy. Was I it saw Italy? something about that in Italy, yeah. that somebody was growing your product illegally, yeah. actually, and that after tests and stuff, it was proven that it was your product. Yeah. I also saw some, it's a South American country also, okay. that they're investigating or looking at something. Or, I'm sure there is, yeah. yeah. But it's interesting that too, like technology playing a role in that. They use like drones to fly over the vineyards to see, and they could uh, see by the leaves that it yeah. was. Uh, and obviously then they did fingerprint tests mm. to be able to verify. Um, but it's very interesting to see those. But I would imagine particularly if your top breeding companies are working together, or all the breeding companies are working together, it's it, you're going to be more successful because it's you've got a common enemy and that's people that are growing your things illegally. Yes. If you if you are not united, mm -hmm. um, it would probably be a lot more difficult to follow up these people. Definitely, that's pretty cool. So that you they're working together in that yeah. aspect. Yeah. Okay. Which is very nice to see competitors coming yeah. together. And so yeah. if if you think about your job now and what you're doing, um, and you look down the road. Do you see yourself continuing in this role? Are you enjoying it? Is it something you want to discuss? Yeah. Now I love my job. Um, my role as the senior marketing manager is uh, very diverse and there's many, many aspects to it. Um, and there's, I think, in the last years too, like obviously as a breeding company, you don't do marketing the way, um, let's say, some of our exporters do or um larger corporations do that our focus and our primary focus is obviously our licensees um so i think the landscape now for breeders it's not necessarily there where others are but there is marketing is becoming 
to play a bigger and bigger role. And we see that with others in our line as well, that they start investing in these things, trying to get the communication out there. Mm. Um, so with that, I'm excited about the marketing in breeding um, and also making sure that our relationships with retailers now is is um, starting to build because before before in 2019 and before that we were a vertical in, a company we focused on uh, growing grapes um, also uh, the shipping and the marketing and all of that and then the breeding and then in 2019 that fell away and we started focusing only on on the breeding um, and so those aspects, what we had before, um, obviously helped with the retail relationships because they had to speak directly to the retailer. And, and so it's really to, to build those relationships again, not just for us, but for our licensees. Because um, if we can communicate over varieties in our program, that obviously helps the licensee that sells to yeah. the retailer. But, it, but are, are, what kind of things are you thinking about implementing or have you implemented that worked? Marketing strategies. Yeah, is it like, is it video? Is it mm. TikTok? Is it, what, what is it person to person? Um, what, what have you seen that has like really worked for, yeah. not, not, not just for you guys, but obviously the, your competitors as well? Yeah, I think for us at this point, I can probably just speak to us mostly. Uh, is expanding into social media platforms because breeding is not something you necessarily yeah, not, communicate. Yeah. Um, so finding not, ways... Not a lot of people know about it either. Yeah, no. But, they, but it's a green grape. Yeah. They yeah. don't know. That's another topic yeah. <laughs> about branding and grapes. But I think, um, yeah, social media is, is obviously a big thing these days and it's really a platforms that you can um, use to communicate your message. On the other hand, we've also um, employed a brand ambassador, Rupert Maud, which was part of the Global Grape Summit. Okay. He told his life story. Do you remember that? He went to sit on the chair and then he started talking about his story. Yes, he, I do yeah. recall. So <laughs> Rupert, uh, he's our brand ambassador. Where is he from again? Spain. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So he's responsible for those retail relationships and going to them and um, talking about Sunworld and but, seeing also where we can connect the retailer with the licensee. Mm. So a lot of the time the retailer is like, so where can I get your autumn crisp grapes? And we're like, okay, well, in this time of year, you can get it from this country. Yes. From this time of year, you can get it in that country. So connecting them with our licensees okay. and connecting the network. But a brand ambassador, if you, if you, if you mention that to anybody in South Africa, you would say they're associated to... They do something, but that brand is like sponsoring. Does does he also grow? Is he a exporter? Mm -hmm. Is He's totally just responsible for Sunwall. He's okay. employed by Sunwall. Okay. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And he has been in the industry for quite some time. He was actually one of our um, licensees, El Cerrello. That's also in Spain. He's just a big uh, marketer and grower. So he comes with that background okay. and those retail relationships he already had there. So, yeah. So, on, on Sunworld and the business expansion, are the, the hectares of Sunworld grapes that have been planted in the world, are they still growing? Are they changing? 
how uh, what's the trend yeah um they're definitely growing i think this year we see some pauses in some mm. countries with all the difficulty and the inflation and all those things that goes on uh peru is like you guys know the it's it's growing at, at an incredible yeah. rate yeah they are doing the majority of the plantings and i think they exceeded chile now with exports and production which but was the, i was going to say that earlier that um they're just booming in everything mm. by the by the looks of things mm. all the all the produce things yeah i think that they they're booming from a base where peru was really mostly a um i remember you always heard about the amazing um um red globe from peru yes that was like peru's signature yeah. but now they it's almost like they're getting a lot more sophisticated and more developed and there's there's a lot more investment coming into mm-hmm. peru they obviously have the water and the land um and the climate and the climate and i know that that chile things have are not that easy in chile at the moment yeah. so so potentially they are taking some of the market share mm-hmm. that's being lost mm-hmm. in chile um but it is interesting that you hear from everybody peru peru is happening peru is yeah. really going places yeah. so that that's interesting but everything reaches a point somewhere yes. so but for now they are doing good they're producing good grapes and like you say like they've started replacing this red superior seedless and becoming more innovative in that what sort of what sort of development do you have um for sunworld in asia Uh Asia was um and is a difficult market because we should be able to protect our varieties there. Um we have had some development there which is in in progress now. Um but yeah that's we'll leave it at that. But it's a, okay. obviously a very important Okay. Market. So so variety protection is not as easy in no. in the Asian countries. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's uh a... <laughs> I understand. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Are they breeding their own varieties? They have. There is I think it's the shining muscat. Okay. I think that is from China, which is a big variety in China. So I think they do Just have a... some of their own. Well, um, I would imagine they would because they are so big with yeah. so much technology that Interesting. Yeah. And Australia? Australia um what about them specifically how how well represented is sunworld mm. there and and are your plantings growing there uh yes so, so australia uh i think is our second oldest licensing office okay. if i'm uh, if i'm correct we actually have our 20th anniversary this month oh lovely um which is very very good um and yeah that we're continuing to expand there we appointed a f- couple of new marketers there as well uh, in the past year and or two um obviously it's a very important market for for the asian uh, market or well, it's a very important growing region for the asian market yes. i think about 35% of their grapes go there <laughs> so <laughs> okay that's interesting because that it's because of asia that i asked you about australia because i know that that is a lot of the supplies coming from australia and that the australian table grape industry has actually boomed quite a bit yeah. in the last uh well the exports anyway have yeah. boomed in the last 5 or 6 years yeah 
No, so. They're doing very well. And I think last year their production was also good. Um, they did, were affected with some climate issues. Mm. Um, but all in all, the market in Australia does good. And obviously they have that direct channel to Asia. So yes. that helps them a lot. Yes. So, um, back to you. Oh. <laughs> in your job, does your job require you to travel internationally quite a lot other than between here and your, and your office? Yes. Well, so like I said before, I came back in 2019. Um, so I had a year that I was here and then COVID happened. So COVID mm. made us all stranded. Mm. Um, this year was actually the first time we could execute the plan of being in South Africa and having to work overseas. And I think I was out of uh, the country for about four months out of the year, which is quite a lot. Um, and the season doesn't end. Like I, we have the Southern Hemisphere season and then we go to California and we have the season in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, so to be able to be there during that season um, is, is very important. Um, like you guys were there too, to see yes. that. Um, and then further on other travels beside California um, is like the big trade shows um, where we go and we represent Sunworld and we meet with our licensees again and we promote our great brands and Stanford brands um, is Asia, uh, Berlin, uh, Madrid and there was always London but London has kind of fallen off now and then um, yeah then California the, the IFPA show that, that just passed so that's basically the travel the, the majority of the travel that's when I spoke done. to you on whatsapp <laughs> earlier this year you were in Italy yeah and we were having a very cold <laughs> South African winter you told me you were in Italy and I was very jealous I was I I planned to skip winter this year. I was like I do not want to go to winter, so I completely planned to skip winter. And I I did you succeed? <laughs> I did come back in September, and it was still cold, and I was like so grumpy about it. But no, I, it was it was good. Yeah. Yeah. And after all these years, do you still play tennis? Hmm. I've lost my tennis rackets <laughs> on the airport and, you know, Mango is uh, yeah. close. So somewhere it's sitting. So there's a, t a tennis racket somewhere in Mango in yes. airlines. And I've, I've tried to get them, but so that answers your question of how much <laughs> tennis I play. But I do enjoy it. But back um, then, when were you set on making it a career? Yeah, I wanted to, I think, until my second year of college. And then I was like, uh, I realized because you always like I said you were in a team and um, then you realize the individuality of it like that yeah. it's a very individual sport and that's not necessarily um, but the, um, but but having having been as committed as you were to that through those years um, it takes it really takes commitment and commitment always means that you have to have sacrifices like you said you had to sacrifice to go to your to to go and be homeschooled away from home and to to travel abroad to go and study so i would imagine you've actually been used to studying i mean <clears throat> traveling and having to be away from home and coping with different cultures for a long time yes yeah yeah definitely um i think even with with the tennis like we in our Texas team, we didn't have one American. Oh wow! We only we had like 
people from all over, Russians, um, Chileans, um, yeah, so people from, from all over. So. But, but would you, looking back now, would you send your kids in the same thing? Um, if my kids want to do it, yes. Uh, I'm not going to steer them away from it. Um, whatever their path needs to be, um, yes. I, would, I would allow that. So, yes. know. But I, I presume something like that forces you to grow up pretty quickly because yes. you must look after yourself and do your thing and yeah. mom is not there to help with <laughs> everything, unfortunately. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, but I'm grateful for the journey that, that has been put on my path. Well, and, and also, you know, a question I have about about your your role with Sunworld, mm. it's it's a huge um, concession that you have that you can live here and represent in a Californian company from here. It it must mean it it's a huge compliment to you that they are prepared to allow you to do that. Um, you must have a very good relationship with your with your with your team mm -hmm. and with um, the management. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Sunwell as a company is um, really a good company to work for, and the the culture within it as well. Um, and yeah, I I don't give any honor to myself. It's more so um, just the culture of the company and and the fact that um, it's built of of trust and and um, yeah, even like my boss, which is David Margulis, just the the trust and and um support from mentorship from i would and, imagine yeah, has been there too yeah definitely um so that that obviously helps a lot and um yeah makes my makes it able for me to be here and work from here um and again the internationality of our company and and that yes. people work that's how we work um yeah. so that i've been very fortunate in that that part that they said, that's fine, you can work from South Africa. And obviously they had to trust me in that process. If they didn't, they would have said, no, come yes. work here. Or, yeah. <laughs> so how does, how does working for, I'm not just talking about Sunwolf, I'm, I'm talking just in general. How does it differ from a South African company in terms of um, how company benefits and those kind of things are structured because I know in South mm. Africa you've got a pension fund and you've got a medical mm. aid and we hear about all these things and again in the movies and the series about how does that differ from I'm just curious yeah. um, I can say what I know about the US um, not so much about South Africa yeah. but um, so we have of when we were also a bigger company we had a couple of benefits um, we had a lot of medical benefits like um, we could go to the eye doctor and get free tests I'm and free, them, I'm just going to give them a free, piece. free glasses and things like that. And then, um, we also, they have a 401k, which is your retirement fund. So a oh, part yes. of your salary goes into, into that. Ret your retirement fund. And then, um, we get gym opportunities too. So you can go to, uh, um, get a gym membership and that's paid for. Um, so there was, does the company pay for something like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. So that, but it, a lot of American companies and even other companies, there's a many benefits mm. how they kind of draw and keep keep uh, employees to yes. and, and make their uh, work life uh, a little bit better. 
Um, so, yeah, um, there was a lot of those those benefits. Um, and another thing about the grape category, just to go into back where we yes. spoke about all the new varieties and um, that it's obviously a positive. Um, but I think somewhere, like I said, there's been this overload of varieties and somehow, especially with retailers now, they have um, tried to simplify things and they've tried to simplify things by making a lot of the things generic. So a consumer sees red and green and black. And I think, um, especially for a grower that maybe have grown a Thompson before that was a public variety versus growing an autumn crisp now, that's something that they pay for and is a proprietary variety, which you should receive a premium for. Um, it's um, hard to think that because of the generalizing of the um, the grape in the supermarket, that that kind of devalues the market and the pricing, and and somehow we need to start um, getting that value back in, into the market. And honestly, like we believe that's branding, um, branding grapes, and obviously having superb quality in that brand. Um, and Sunwalt itself as well, we've, we've been working on a strategy now that um, kind of simplifies the category because as a retailer before, or sorry, as a breeder before, um, we have developed the variety and we've created a brand. We've developed the variety, created a brand, and that's not a sustainable approach forward. So... We've seen it in many other categories, like the apple category and the mandarin category, where they use an umbrella brand. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, more people start looking to do that and, and try to get brand recognition uh, like that in st at the store level. Um, and also, in turn, create value back to our licensees that's growing a proprietary variety versus a public variety. So I think that's something we need to bring value back into the grape category, and that's uh, one of the ways we're looking to do that. Um, it's, yeah. That's... What you're saying is incredibly interesting because um, you work so hard to create this product with this brand, and then the supermarket says, no, we just want white. Yeah. And then, so so how's that different from all the others in the queue, other, other white varieties, red or whatever? Um, so... And I know the supermarkets are trying very hard to get their brand onto that, and yes. and and yeah. and not not allow your brand, which has has many years of research, millions of hours of, of work, and has it has its own value. That's not allowed to come through, but it, but it's which like makes now, it difficult. Yeah, it's like now for the last three years I've been working in the grape industry. If I go into the supermarket now, be it pick and pay or Woolworths, wherever, I look at what the cultivars that's on the shelf and then you see something like an autumn crisp and then it it it's small little berries like this yeah. and 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 you just talking from a south african point i don't think the people they know they've got any idea of what is available out there mm -mm. No. Any, because anything. most the best our best quality is often exported. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is just it's just how it is but, because but people I, I expect do, I do think that better money if they from the knew, export. 
if the local market knew what is available, mm. they would start demanding it. Yeah. And, they, and there's a lot of people in South Africa yeah. that can pay the premium price. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, some of our premium supermarkets are stocking those now. And But it's still not the same. It's yeah. still not the same yeah. as what is going well, overseas. That, that is, that's market-driven, yeah. you know. And, but what you're saying is maybe more market development would, would make a change there, which is fair enough. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But that is like to get the local up. Mm. I mean, that that's Just, always a movement that can happen, mm. but the, the demand needs to be there and, and the people mm. that's willing to buy. But I also believe there is a, a market, there's a niche market for that. Mm. Yeah, obviously it's gonna, you're not going to take 77 million boxes of grapes in South Africa. Mm. Um, but I'm just thinking of a variety that was planted here that is just not working. It grows here well, but it just can't travel. I'm, I'm, the local market will take that, mm. but they don't know about it. Yeah. There the, the are actually some of those, uh, but that's a whole different topic. I'll tell you about that. It's very. It, there is there's stuff like that. Um, I have a question for mm. you, and I think it's kind of our wrap up, unless you were no. You want to tell us. You're a young person. You didn't think that you were going to go into the agricultural sector. A lot of young people don't think agriculture is sexy. Oh. Um, yeah. Yet it sustains us three meals a day. Mm. Um, you're in the agricultural sector in the international sphere, which is actually very exciting. Um, and as a South African, you have made it into the international sector. Would you recommend young people um, to consider the agricultural sector? Definitely. <laughs> And agriculture, although it doesn't necessarily come to your mind as a sexy thing, is sexy. Really? Um, and the people in it is so fun and innovative. And I don't think it's something that you can necessarily replace. Um, like many people have said, people that come into the agriculture sector stays in the agriculture sector. Even if they go away for a little bit, they ever, eventually come back. So um, I would, for young people, say you're missing out. <laughs> Maybe just give it a chance. And, and there's a lot of opportunity in South Africa specifically for the young people. But even overseas, like we see that the young people go to uh, tech, technology companies and, and things that is um, not agriculture. So um, I think there is definitely obviously a demand for it, but... Uh, it's it's something I would recommend agriculture to to anyone and even females. Um, obviously, it's a sector that's dominated by males, but there's a lot of not anymore. It's the girls are cooking. It's pretty. I think it's it's getting less. Yeah, there you're seeing some incredibly um, inspiring young women coming in and really making this space. You included. <laughs> <laughs> So that's it's and pretty yourself. cool. <laughs> Thank you. Am I young? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we try. <laughs> the spirit is what but matters. But you know, it's it, it's yes. Passion takes you a long way, and I think agriculture is so vital, and people tend to forget that. So yeah. it's it, it's very encouraging to 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 speak to young people and to, as you're saying, encouraging them to join the sector. Yeah. Yeah, and like you say, it's very important. And what if we don't have it? Yes. Like it is. It needs some, to grow. Yeah. Because what happens if it's not there? Yeah, because all the people are going to die, unfortunately. And <laughs> yeah. there must be somebody to replace them. Yeah. And also, like when you look at COVID times, 
it was one of the sectors that kept running. That shows yeah. you the importance of it. So it's not just a, a um, what do you say, Barup? It's uh, not just a career or an it, occupation. Yeah, it's there's a. And also, it's, there's so much stuff that people are so misinformed about. I've been seeing things on social media where people are saying farming must stop. Because yeah. farming, farming is is killing the the the, the, the um, planet, mm. but but all people will die if farming stopped. Yeah. So I mean, if people need to be re-educated on the importance of agriculture, and yes, obviously do it sustainably. Mm. But come to our sector and come and learn and come and help us. You yeah. agree? Yeah, definitely. And I will encourage that as my career also goes so, forward. So uh, joining onto that question. <clears throat> Being back in South Africa, obviously you've got your group of friends here, but if let's say you go to a new place and you stand around and people, what do you do? What do you do? What do, what do you tell them? What do I do? Yeah. If somebody has, okay, now there's a group of new people yeah. and, they, and they ask you, what do you do for a living? Okay. What, what do you and tell people them? that's not from the second That's not from that. Strange. No idea. I explain to them our business, but in a very human way where obviously we are in the breeding field. So um, I basically tell them I do the marketing for this company, but what the company does is they develop new varieties. So whatever you guys eat, grape-wise and Stanford-wise, we develop the next varieties. And then the question always comes like, what? Mm. <laughs> like no one knows about this, yeah. so how does this happen? And the easy explanation is to take like a mom and a dad and crossing them and they get kids and you yeah. throw away most of the kids but you only take the beautiful kid <laughs> so that's kind of the easy way to explain do they talk to you after that <laughs> I, I have i don't have many friends <laughs> that might be explains it no i'm joking <laughs> but yeah no, no it's, it's a very good way of explaining it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, and then I start finding it very interesting. I had a girl starting to work for me and she never knew about this. And young women, um, and she was so intrigued. She, every time I get a WhatsApp from her in Woolworths or somewhere and she takes pictures, she's like, I tasted this variety and this variety. I never knew there was varieties. I yeah. only just bought the fruit. So it is, it's education, like you say, at the end of the day. And if we can start educating uh, the how, younger... how, do you, how do you see people like us doing that? To, edu to, to, to educate, educate the public. People, uh, educate the public on this kind of thing. It, mm. it, it's quite an interesting because, because challenge. What, what we're doing here now is something new for us. Mm. And we're going to be talking to people that already know. And our audience is probably going to be people that already know. Mm -hmm. But if somebody like us, how can we educate the public more? Well, um, focused on South Africa, I think one way is to go to universities and speaking to the students there. They're forced to sit in a class, or not forced, but they are there to learn, and that's one way to come into a class, talk about that, inform them. That's maybe one way to do it. Um, yeah, I think on the other level, where consumers engage the most is at retail. Yes, because they can get to see and taste there. Yeah. But it's not like the state, unfortunately, where you've got a farm, mm. like what we've seen, where they've got a little stand marketing their product yeah. because it's mm. their brand is on the box. Yeah, but yeah. 
I think the retailers can play a part too, like having samples. And I know that's obviously investing marketing dollars. Um, but that's one way to, if that's a category they want to grow, to also educate the consumer. I think for you guys as Lucent Lands, like obviously I saw you guys being in the U.S., I noticed your company doing very good videography. Um, Thank you. Yeah, and, and I really mean that, like, it's not often that you uh, see something, you're, like, really attach yourself to it and can see these people are doing a great job. So um, that's a way you already reach people internationally is through that. Um, and obviously the, the companies that you do business with is international so that that educates already, like people see something, they want to know more about it. Um, but I think, I personally think one way is maybe to start with students and especially in the ag sector um, and educate them because they, are, they don't necessarily know these these things. Yeah, hmm. that that um, knowledge transfer, hmm. it's, it, it's not easy, but it's very important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. at that level. To actually, because there's so much distracting them at the moment. There's studies, there's social media, there's mm. socialising, there's all of that. But to actually get in there and create the wow factor. Mm. Interestingly, um, one of the people that we've seen in, in, in Worcester is, is a, um, a company that does breeding. Um, they Sengen. do Sengen. They do tests on, on, on... It's a genetics lab. Genetics lab. So that is similar to what, let's say, uh, I, I don't know, do you know them, know about them? They're called Sengen. They do genetic so if, testing if, in agriculture. Let, let's say a grower plants a block of vines and there's maybe a row that he's not sure if this is, he will take the plant with you, they'll analyze it, oh, okay, yeah. see if it is your yeah. variety or the right one yeah. or there's a disease or whatever the story is. And they also do breeding of new strains of wheat and things like that. Testing of that, yeah. No, they, but they, they, did, they developed one last year. That's right, okay. yes. So... What they do is they've got open days where they invite bi bi biology students to come and experience a day there. They do mm -hmm. DNA extraction and because if you if you ask any child now what is genetics, mm -hmm. they'll tell the story that you told about the, the two parents <laughs> and the pretty no, children. No, no, but, but, they, but they think humans, they think animals. They don't think plants. Animals. Yeah. They, are, they don't think about plants. Yeah. And so they, yeah. they're doing quite a big drive to educate students more for genetics because mm. they need more people for that. And it is incredible to see these young people, these young kids, 15, 16, <laughs> the, 17, coming there, doing this and going, oh, wow. But it's even yeah, more, the, it's more the teachers this. because the teachers the, you've got well. a teacher yeah. that's been teaching for 15, 20 years, the same thing about genetics from a handbook, now she's doing it. Yeah. So it's actually that's actually quite an idea yeah. to get, to get them there, to see it, to see mm. them, the embryo rescue, to live for them, yes. see all of that stuff, yes. for them to go, yes, to, wow. <laughs> so in 2016, we went to visit Sunworld's breeding program and my parents came because they came for my graduation. My dad has been a grower for very long, many, many years. He's never seen that part. He only gets the grapes and he grows it. Mm. So he went there he's like, Oh my word, you're talking about a 16 year old. I'm talking about my dad. Yes. That's like yeah. much older. And um, that was also like, I cannot believe this is what goes into it mm. for me to get that grape and then grow it. Um, but yeah, I think that education and then internships. Internships is one way, like you say, open fruit shows. We mm. do that in California. 
mm. every other week and if anyone is invited. So I think there's many opportunities for... Mm. And if a, if, if a student happens to listen to this and is inspired by this, is there opportunities for a company like Sunworld that they can contact and says, I'm from South Africa, I've got no official background, I want to do an internship with you there. Mm -hmm. Can they do, can, well, not just South Africa, but in any, any country? Yeah, I, we have the licensing offices in every country, so there's always um, the opportunity to contact that, that office and, and see if there is internships available. Um, in addition to that, because um, you guys know, like, there's always work and yeah. you always need bodies so um that that's definitely an open open door and then in addition to that for our licenses specifically we have this international internship program that takes interns um every year Stanford and grape intern and we basically uh, accommodate them everything okay. to be able to go work there in California so they stay there for two to three months and they helped us they helped us with the, the That's analysis. very cool. It's very That's cool. That's what Jan Indrik did. Yes, Jan Indrik. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he was there when I was there. It was very fun to have him there. And with that, you also create relationships. Yes. So, yes. like, our interns, we still talk to them from years and years ago. And it's it there's there's a family atmosphere to that. And also, they take, the, the obviously, the knowledge they've gained. and It's invaluable. Yeah, it's... It, but it's, 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 a, it's a clever way of... Ensuring your product will be sold without physical marketing because it's going to take three months mm. from a company like them, not just saying Sunworld, anybody, yeah. to employ somebody, teach them on their product mm -hmm. for the rest of his life. He's going to be it's selling like a long, it. It's a long-term yes, investment, definitely. actually, because yes. you're investing in that person from another country, the skills and the knowledge and and the excellence that your company has, yeah, but, but, sending but, them back to where they come from, and and they can then implement it there, and also be able to say, but you know what we learned, and but if it, you, if if you take housing a young person for three months, feeding them, maybe entertaining, getting some work yeah. from them because yeah. they in the field they doing pruning and whatever, yeah. so you're really scoring on that, versus spending the money for three days at the fruit logistica. Mm -hmm. You know that guy's going to market your product for way longer than what that guy, that girl yeah. from yeah. whichever supermarket comes to stop quickly yeah. to chat about you. It is it it is a it, as I say it's a, it's a long term investment because, as you say, they keep coming back, they yeah. keep speaking to yeah. you. There's like a it, it feels like family. Mm. No. And for internet for international people who speak different languages across the globe can say to feel like family, yeah. you're doing something right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you guys. Oh, it's my question to you. You're welcome. <laughs> please, please ask. So you guys went to Bakersfield and you saw the international um, fear of things, and mm. also obviously all the varieties out there. And you also saw a lot of about the industry with the Global Grape Summit that happened. Um, what was your key takeaways and, and thoughts after that? Was it your first time uh, attending something like yes. that, or? Um, well, the Global Grape, Grape Summit, yes. I've been to Fruit Logistica before. I've been there twice. But this was specific to grapes. I thought it was excellent. It was it was a very good thing. Um, I think it is. It, it happened at quite a tricky time in the grape um, industry's history. But I think a lot of that, all produce is going through that and all internationally exported stuff, it, times are tight, times have been difficult. 
I think it was very good to get all the people in one room. Um, and I think particularly from a South African perspective, you know, when you have problems, you always think they're up close and personal. So mm -hmm. the, the, yeah. the South African table grape industry, you always think, oh, it's just our problem. But then you go and heard, you heard there that um, actually everyone's having mm. similar problems. Yeah. It's input costs, it's um, logistics problems, logistics costs, mm -hmm. and um, reduced reduced demand in the market because the people are having to spend money on their um, their energy costs because of of what's happening in the world at the moment with with um, the increase rapid increase in energy costs particularly in Europe mm -hmm. so that was one and then obviously the input costs that that are associated with everything getting more expensive so first of all it is like it's cold comfort but the comfort was there to, and South African growers told us that that um, we're not alone everyone else has got the same problems which means it's a, if it's a global problem, there has to be a global solution. Mm -hmm. yeah. But if, if you want to know if we learned anything from, from that, I don't think we learned anything, anything new. Not, well, I've only Other been in... perspective, like... Uh, yeah, I've only been in, in the agriculture industry now for about three years. But what I've learned in that three years, I can't say I've come back from the Grape Summit particularly, and yeah. I learned something new yeah. there. And also the perspectives of the... Californian growers. It was interesting to hear. Yeah. Cookie Bianco. Yeah. He was quite a star. <laughs> and what he had to say and the things he had to say. Yeah. I mean, I often think that when people have lived a life like he has and you've got the kind of experience he has, and you've also got the confidence to just say it as it is. Yes. So that I found. I think very he was a star of the whole thing. I think <laughs> yeah. everybody, if you if you ask anybody that was there, what they was the hit, him. it would it would have yeah. been him. And it wasn't even that long. It was no. just like. There. Bang, bang, boof. <laughs> yes. But how, does, how, do, how do you feel from one of the growers when somebody like him says what he, what he did say? I think we know what we're doing in a sense. And I think we, we know our values and who we are and how we handle our business. And, and we're confident in that because we, we truly um, obviously we're in the business for our clients. So I think with that, obviously it's something that you um, take a step back and like, okay, that that's a, obviously a tack on us, but I think the, our, our values in our core is strong and mm. and it's it's been proven over the years and we just continue fighting that that fight and, and building, yeah. our, continuously building on our values. Is Sunworld gonna be involved with the 2023 convention that's going to be in South Africa? Um, I believe so. We'll do some sponsorships uh, and um, we still need to have discussions with them, but we're looking to also get our global technical support team on the ground and see if, if we can assist with that and, and helping them with that, that um, symposium. Yeah. You know, symposium. So we'll see. Thank you. I think I think we've chatted. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Is no, good luck. No, for you guys, good job and good Thank luck you. with the future. And I really hope this podcast and even your other work like just booms in the industry and and just takes you beyond the borders. Thank you so Thank much. You. Yeah, we really you. we really appreciate that. You know what? We we are passionate about what we do. I was just saying to you about Actually, I love I love what I do. It makes me jump out of bed in the morning. Yeah. And I mean that you can't buy. You either have yeah. it or you don't. Yeah. And agriculture is 
so important and it's close to both our hearts and we love it. Mm. I've never um, worked as hard as I've done now and I've enjoyed it so much. Yeah. yeah. But you can personally follow your desires mm. out and it's like your dream you're building. And yeah. Yesterday evening, we were filming um, wheat harvesting by moonlight. And that's phenomenal to see the footage from that's above, amazing. to see the, the harvesters going through the field at dusk and the moon was rising. And I mean, that was, it, it was just awesome. And here yeah. we are today chatting to you. So agriculture is, yeah. we're going to keep, we definitely going, going there. I've yeah. In, in, in the space of three days earlier this year, I've photographed and filmed macadamias, kiwis, stone fruit and grapes. Yeah. But you guys do an amazing job and that's why you have that. But continue telling the egg story. Yes, we want, we want to tell the egg story. But thank you very much. Thank you so pleasure. much. Thanks, and guys. the very best of luck with your job. It's so exciting. And you're actually a bit of a, I think, a role model and an icon for people. Um, because, I mean, there you are. You're young, you're working for an international company and you've done it. So good on you and keep going. Thank you, Louise. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Thank you.